Well, hello there, beloveds. How are you? It's Riley. Um, I know this sounds a little bit different from the intro you usually get when you hear the Really Riley podcast. We're going to get to that whole situation in a second. Um, But I wanted to intro this podcast a little bit differently because it's a rewind of Ask Riley. Um, I think that 2022, the end of it, was a very big, I don't want to say failure to me, but it was probably the biggest crash of a rock bottom that I've ever had. And then 2023 for me was the year of Jordan in so many different ways, but it was my rebuilding year. It was a year of a lot of peaks and valleys. It was a year of trying to find myself in a different capacity of growing, of falling backwards, of pain, of triumph, all the things. So I thought, Since a lot of you guys are new to the podcast recently, which thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And a lot of you guys are OGs. So thank you to my We Got This fam. We Got This Army. But if you've heard this podcast before, which I'm going to play for you about Toxic Family Edition, hopefully it'll reignite what you were thinking the first time you heard it. And it'll reestablish some of the boundaries that you had before when you heard it. Um, And if you haven't heard it before... Hopefully this gives you some help with this holiday season, because a lot of times when the holidays come around, things get toxic. Either you cannot wait to be around your family or you cannot wait to get away from them. Usually for me, it was the latter. So hopefully we can give you some insight and get you somewhere in between. Um, It's been a road and I really like the idea of revisiting this last year and all the ups and downs um, because you guys have been here with me and I've been up in your ear holes. So I thought it would be fun to do a little really Riley podcast, Ask Riley, Memory Lane today. So here it is. Enjoy. Really Riley. Really Riley. Really Riley. Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? (laughs) Are you ready? This is the Really Riley Podcast. Woo! Hello, beloveds. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Really Riley, um, my corner of the world where I always like to talk about all things real, all things that are going on in my life, all things that I like to connect with you guys on, whether that be fitness or that be getting fired or that be you know, talking about beauty products, reviews, um, anything's on the table, basically. Um, It's been a little bit of a doozy of a day, and damn, some of y'all got spicy in the reviews. I bet I know who left that one. Kidding. Um, (laughs) My snark came out again. But I told you guys that I wanted to bring back a lot of the stuff that I used to do when I was on the air in terrestrial radio. I had so much fun doing it, and one of those things was a bit called Really Riley, or sorry, that's my podcast name, called Ask Riley. And it's basically me answering your questions, whatever they are. And there's been so many great pieces of connectivity that we've had over the, I think it was like a year and a half that I had been doing it on the air. It's just like wedding questions, baby questions, parenting questions, a man's cheating on me. Should I take him back? Question. There's been a lot of heavy hitters and I'm honored that you guys like asked me this stuff because the whole idea behind this bit was that I have lived my life very 
backwards, as they say, but I don't even necessarily love that term because I don't believe there's any real normal. I don't believe there's any one set way to do anything. But if you would ask me, did I live my life the way that I thought it would be mapped out? The way that the storybooks like Cinderella tell you to do it when you're younger? No, absolutely not. Hell no. But in some way, shape or form, all of the things that I've gone through in my life, whether it be just abusive relationships or having to leave relationships that were the one that got away at one point for radio or losing friendships or dealing with, you know, crazy, awful family dynamics or trauma, anxiety, medication, childbirth, all of those things have led me to the road that I'm at now. And I can honestly say that even sitting here in what some would think isn't the best chapter of my life, but I think it's the prelude to the best chapter of my life. As a matter of fact, like on my vision board last year, I put, you know, you're stepping into the most successful decade of your life. And I, I believe that every day. Um, so yeah, I wanted to do and ask Riley today. So I put it on Instagram, what you guys, um, wanted to ask me and you guys came up with some great, great questions. This is why I love you guys so much. And I've missed connecting with you so damn much because you come up with such good shit. Um, so one of the questions, and I'm going to leave everybody's name out of it because I don't know if everybody wanted me to give their name or not. So I just kind of usually do that as a rule. Um, but she said, oh, you're so, I love her. She said, what would Riley do? WWRD. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, <clears throat> she said, huge promotion opportunity, but I would be supervising my BFF and a frenemy on my team. The promotion would be overseeing a unit where my colleague turned pandemic bestie for the last three years would be my employee and the other employee would be a lady, aka workplace friend of me, who's been there for 20 plus years, who is also competing for the same position. Making things more awkward. She is actually the one who hired me and my friend in the position we're now. Okay, so you'd be overseeing somebody that was your boss, somebody that you don't really like that much, and then you'd be working with your bestie. So if you're asking me if you should take the promotion, you know I'm going to say 100% yes, because I feel like, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And if it's a promotion and it's one that you've been wanting, you've got to go for it no matter what the circumstance. And it's funny that I say that having been through a lot of really toxic work environments that I, I can't say I regretted though, because every road you take there is no such thing as failure. At least I don't tend to believe that because I feel like failure is where you start to learn where your win is. They always say in the gym, like you can't, you have to fail to learn how to do it. You have to fail to get stronger. And that sounds really dismal, but I think that jumping in with both feet for me anyway has always been the way I've done stuff. And as I just talked about how backwards my life has been and all the crap that I put myself through doing it. But, you know, I think that if you have a promotion in front of you that's one that you want, it doesn't matter who's in your way, where it might be awkward. Because if there's anything that I've learned over, you know, 20 years in my profession in entertainment and radio is that there's always assholes, there's always awkward people, and there's always besties in every situation, there's going to be that, 
you know, sitcom type workplace where you always like, you know, like on TikTok, how they're like, oh, it was like a trend last summer that it was just like, oh, here's my family member and here's their problems. I feel like there's always going to be that in every single workplace, no matter what it is. The grass is, you know, never greener on the other side or something like that. But it's just like, I think that it sounds as though you have been on the fence about this because you don't know what drama you're walking into. And I guess maybe I have to back up because not everybody wants that drama. Not everybody is willing to put themselves into that drama for a promotion. I mean, I could say if I had it to look back on a few of the jobs that I've taken that ended up being, you know, ones that were like tumultuous, would I do them over? Um, yeah, actually I would. Because I think that I pulled something out from every single one of them. And I like the idea of a challenge, not necessarily a challenge in people because you can't control other people, but I like the idea of a challenge in like learning and growing in new environments. And if those environments do not end up for me, um, I do know that the problems that I would have had in that environment teach me what I would do next, what I would, what I wouldn't do. So I say, hell yeah, go for that promotion. I mean, and like, if that lady has a problem with it, that's her issue and not yours. You know, that's a her problem. And if she was a manager before, you know, because I know work frenemies, trust me, I've had them. And it's just like, it's, it is a nuisance on a daily basis to have to come in and be like, hey, girl, when you're just like, fuck you. Um, but I don't think it's a nuisance worthy of not propelling yourself into the next chapter of your success. So I'd say go for it. Um, I've got quite a few of these on here. Like we used to just do like one on the air, but you know, hey, we got all the time in the world to chat. And a lot of you guys have emailed me and DM'd me and texted me and saying we want these to be longer. And I'm like, oh my God, I love you. Um, so let's get into some more of these. Another lady emailed me saying, um, would you ever go back to hosting a show on your own or are you just going to stay in podcasting? Well, that's a fresh question from some still kind of open wounds. Yes, I love radio. I have been doing it for most of my adult life and it's become part of my soul and I would have never left it. I don't care how bad the situation was and I do want to get back to it. I do. But as far as any situation, I got two kids now and I have a husband now that I take into consideration, even though he would follow me anywhere. Like if I got my dream job tomorrow, we would go. But to me, it's kind of like at what cost in a sense. Like I have always said, I want to find like the perfect, no, there's no such thing. The as close to copacetic relationship and work environment as I can in my next venture that is radio terrestrially, you know? Um, Because I don't want, to ask my sons and my husband to blindly follow me into a situation that could, you know, get messed up in like five years. Cause five years seems like a long time, right? It's a good chunk of, of, of life, but those are pivotal five years for my sons. Those are pivotal five years in my marriage. And I just don't know that I want to be like, uh, they call it arranged marriages in radio. Cause all of my shows were that way. And I would, I would have wanted to hope that the next time I do it, and I'm going to speak that into existence, that I will, that I would get to work in a space where at least one or two of the people that I'm working with on a show are people that I would trust. Because I feel like within that foundation, 
you can breed success. And even when there's issues, you have a better foundation to work through it versus, okay, this isn't working. Let's just, you know, move on to the next person and try to make a new show. Um, and that happens a lot. That doesn't just happen to me in radio. It happens a lot. And it's a sad fact that it's something you take with a grain of salt in the business. And I always have, it's not something that I look at necessarily with animosity right now. Um, but I really also want to challenge myself in this space right now. I want to see how far I can take this. I want to see and prove to myself that it wasn't a big radio station behind me that made me me, that this was a talent that is inside of me that I have created or that I was, you know, God given and that I have cultivated. That's a better word. And that nothing will stop me, but me. So there's something within me that wants to see where the sucker goes. You know, like I, don't, I, even if I got something, you know, I don't even know what the dream job in radio would look like at this point. Cause I had it for me. Um, but even if something magical popped up, I would still do this podcast. I would still do it the same way that I'm doing it now. I would still push it forward because I want to have a voice that isn't filtered, but is it's authentically me, but I also have to be like cognizant of the fact of I'm speaking to a very wide audience of people. A couple of you guys have said in your reviews, I know I got stuck in the reviews today and I know you're not supposed to do that, but I did. And thank you to you guys that have reviewed. And honestly, thank you to you guys that reviewed negatively too, because if that's your real opinion, I'll take it in. I'll wait. I'll see that. That doesn't mean it's going to make me lose sleep at night, but it'll propel me harder but a lot of you guys have said like, you know, I am beating around the bush a little bit. I am, you know, flippy floppy in terms of like dropping bombs, if you say, well, there's reasons for that. There are. And um, I'm not going to put things out there that I don't think will be good for my soul or that would be good for my family either. So a lot of these topics that you guys have, you know, that we've, that we've chatted upon so far are touchy touchy. So anyway, like I just definitely want to be able to be myself without anything else in my way, if that makes sense. And I say that with a little bit of trepidation because I don't know that like, like radio was the best. It is the best kind of still, you know, I think it's changed since I got into it, but it was so thrilling. And it is, it's so amazing. Like, I don't think it's over for me, but I think the vein in which I was doing it might be, but I think it's time to find a home that I can flourish and give you guys all that I have that right now feels like it's this. So the long and short of it is yes, I would get into a hosting situation again in a heartbeat, but it has to be a manifested thing that the stars align and I'm not saying that I deserve for people to like bow to me and like create this perfect position. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I am choosing my happiness. I am choosing a challenge in this podcast to grow it over choosing the comfort zone that I always knew. Over choosing something that time and time again seemed to not work out no matter what I did because... <sighs> I mean, in the shows that I was in, there wasn't one show that I was on. And I don't say this pompously. I say this for really hard work that didn't go number one. So it's like, what am I doing wrong? I know what I'm doing wrong. 
I don't shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had to pause there for a second just because sometimes when I talk about this stuff too, it just makes me feel icky. You know, like I don't like to dwell, but it's hard not to in situations where it's been like hard and traumatizing. But if you've noticed, like you guys, this idea of me being flippy floppy and whatever is just me trying my hardest to rise above and come from a place of positivity. Cause you, you guys have seen all the vision boards I do. And those of you that came to my vision board manifesting workshop, you know that I can't allow myself to just keep my mind in that yucky spot. Let's go to the next question. Shall we? Um, the next piece of ask Riley is, um, Ugh, how, what if Lyric had a friend that he absolutely loves, but you feel differently? Oh, so if he was like older, because he's got little besties now, but if he was like older and he had a bestie that I wasn't feeling. Well, I, I say this in relationships, like boyfriend, girlfriend, like if you have a best friend that you can't stand their, their man or vice versa, um, you can't ever ask them to choose and you can't ever like talk shit because I always say the one that asks you to choose is the one you shouldn't choose. I mean, I'm his mother. He's never going to like choose somebody else over me for goodness sakes. But if he had a bestie that I didn't like, I, I guess I would have to examine the reason why. I mean, if they're out there like doing drugs in the streets, I'm going to tell him about himself. Like, Hey, that one ain't for you. Um, but I don't think I could let him or force him to choose who he wants to hang with as long as they're not doing anything illegal or that's going to mess up his future. Um, because I'm very, very adamant about letting Lyric be his own person. And when I was growing up and I was a kid, it was, you know, Puerto Rican Catholic mom and, you know, really overbearing stepfather. And there was this, like the situation of just, you know, I didn't always get to be like free to be me. And I'm not saying like I, think that kids should just be able to be like willy nilly. But once you hit a certain age where you're deciding who you are as a person, as a parent, you can't force them into another box. And I'm starting that early with him being seven and a half. Now I'm not letting him like run me over. I'm just saying like, if he wants to pick certain outfits and if he wants his hair a certain way, or he, he very particular, my kid, <laughs> we put together a, a desk for him. Um, the last couple of weekends, like we refurbished a desk Facebook marketplace, by the way, people, if you're looking to get new furniture, don't buy the crappy like plastic stuff that falls away in five minutes, go to marketplace, go to Goodwill and refurbish something. If I can do it, you can too. Anyway, he was choosing knobs for this. And he, I was like, what about soccer ball knobs? Cause he's really big into soccer. And he's like, well, mommy, I want picture soccer ball knobs, but I want them to be this color. And I'm like, Jesus kid, you're my son. Like he's particular about everything. I love it though. He's sure of who he is. So in that assurance in who he is as a person already at seven, I don't think I could ever like come forward and have an issue with a friend of his that I didn't like. I would kind of have to keep that one to myself until my intuition about said Fred came true. And then I would be like, I never liked that motherfucker anyway. <laughs> but I don't think that I could force him to not be friends with somebody just because I had a yucky opinion of him. Um... The next one on the list, ooh, a jewelry question, yes. 
So she says, I'm on my way to getting engaged, looking at rings in my boyfriend's budget to give him ideas. And what's a good online place to look that he has a budget of $2,000. First of all, congrats. If you guys listened to the radio show that I was on, I'm all about the rings. Like I did a feature called show me the ring here on the podcast, a couple podcasts down, you can listen to it. I'm bringing that back as well because I wanted to be a gemologist in another life. And I love talking about all things jewelry. I love celebrating your guys' love. I love talking to you guys about your love story. It's just, the, it's one of my favorite things. Um, and I'm actually really good at finding deals because uh, we found my engagement ring from a place called ivyandrose.com. So they've started just specializing in uh, like vintage stuff, but now they've got the gamut of different things. They've got all different kinds of eras on there, all different price points, anywhere from like 700 to like 50,000. Like we got our my ring on there and it was appraised at like $15,000 more than we paid for it. I always tell people like when you're on a budget and even if you're not, just to get the bang for your buck, don't be afraid to have a ring that was like, they say, what is it? Sustainable, recycled, whatever. Basically, I mean, somebody's worn it before. Diamonds are like cars. The minute that they go off the lot, they like, they don't depreciate in value per se because when they appraise, they're still worth it. But what I'm saying is like, if you go to just like a box jewelry store and you buy a ring for 10,000, you're not going to be able to spin around and sell it to someone, a person for like 10,000. You're going to get like six for it, you know, maybe. And I never cared about having a used, if you put it that way, engagement ring. It, it was everything I wanted and it was way less than what other jewelry prices were charging for like, not, like it was way more than other, but what other, anyway, the carrot size was bigger than what we should have gotten it for is what I'm saying. Um, and some people are going to say, oh, she's so bougie, whatever. I, anyways, but if you're looking for, it depends on what you're looking for. And I guess I probably should ask her this question too. Like if you're looking for a diamond and you want a bigger diamond, but you have a $2,000 budget that you want a diamond outside of that budget, you could try and go for either the lab grown diamonds or moissanites because they're still, they're not like the CZs of back in the day, like the lab grown diamonds of today. It's sort of like ice made in your fridge versus ice made outside. The natural diamonds are the ice made outside, you know, through nature. And then the other ones are in the fridge. So they're the same makeup. They still have like clarity ratings. They still have like, you know, the GIA cut ratings and symmetry and all that. They're just man-made. Um, but even in their, even, even in being man-made, they still have their flaws. So it's still a precious stone kind of. Only thing I'll advise about that is like, there's no telling what their appraisal value is going to be in 10 years from now. Diamonds have stood the test of time for centuries, but they don't know what those appraisals are going to be later. Like, so with moissanite, that's not a lab grown diamond. It's an actual stone. It's an actual rock that grows in the ground or in the meteorites or wherever, but it's a different, it's not a diamond. It just looks like one. And those are a little bit cheaper. So if that's what you're looking for a bigger bang for your buck, then you can go with that. Or there's always colored stones, but even colored stones have gotten a little bit pricier nowadays. So a couple of places that I like to look besides Ivy and Rose, um, Etsy, really great there. Like I always look, 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 look. And then I always do like find similar because Etsy, I have an Etsy shop for my candles. They'll push shops that sell a lot or they'll push lots shop, shops. Hello, I can talk. I do it for a living that um, 
have a lot of purchases in a short amount of time. There's an algorithm to it, just like everything else. So if you do a little bit more digging, you can probably find a lot of the same product, but for cheaper because they're not selling as much as say, you know, homegirl over here that has a bunch of ads and is getting the engagement, therefore getting pushed forward by Etsy. Um, another trick that I used to have back in the day, um, don't be afraid of pawn shops. Seriously, because I had a friend when I was working at Hooters a long ass time ago that her husband was a fireman. They were really young. She was like 20 and he wanted to get her a really nice ring. She wanted like a Tiffany type setting, just simple band with a really nice um, diamond in it. So I went to the pawn shop. There was this ugly like horseshoe Elvis type ring that had a beautiful diamond in the center and it was like $300. Granted, this was back in the day, so it'd probably be a lot more than that now, obviously, but I was like, get that. And he's like, I'm not going to give her that. I was like, no, 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 get that. Go to an independent jeweler or even the big box store and just put it in a simple setting. I think he spent like a thousand dollars and it was like a carrot. That was back in the day then. But you see what I'm saying? Like there's ways to do this and it's your ring. If you guys are already like looking at things together, it's okay to like shoo him in the right direction. And honestly, I love the idea of you being involved with your ring that you're going to wear forever. I got a lot of flack for that too, that I was very particular about what I wanted, but I'm going to wear this sucker forever and ever. And you look at it every single day. And I look at my ring all the time when I'm mad at Marshall and remember why I love him. <laughs> and don't come for me because I know everybody does that. Um, another one on the list was how do you deal with immediate family when they're toxic? So I did do a couple podcasts down an entire podcast on this topic um, because full disclosure, I have had a pretty toxic relationship with most of my family members. So I am Puerto Rican. I have one sister. My mom is one of four sisters. They're all half sisters or she was her father's only biological or child. And then the other three sisters, my titis, were, had a different father. Um, so she was the baby of the family and it's just, my family tends to be drama. They are, I mean, it's been a Latin women. We we're mostly women. Like, um, there was not a lot of men in the family because all of the women that had babies, there was one boy, my cousin, that was the only male for ever until my sister and I started having kids or until his sister had kids, she had two. Anyway, we're not a big family. There's like 15 of us. So for being in a Latin family, that's not a lot. Um, and I was never really close to my cousins or my titis. And usually when we'd be around, it was always just drama. It was always just a bunch of crap. And it wasn't really until my wedding or after it that I was like, screw this. I have my own family now and I don't need to deal with this because there was just a lot of bullshit that was happening that was just fucking toxic. And at my wedding, I was just like, I'm done. You know, there was a lot of flack about, you know, me walking down the aisle with my mom versus walking down the aisle with my mom's husband, who has been around since I was 18. We were very, very close. And then we weren't like I named my son's middle name after him. But then it was like there was a period in time that centered around my wedding that things just went to shit. And they were, you know, it was right after I had my son, my second son, Malin, who's two now, we had a falling out and it was just all so toxic centered around all these times that were supposed to be so joyous. And I remember thinking like, what the fuck? Like, this is supposed to be the happiest time of my life. And y'all are acting like idiots. 
And especially like the, the, I, their extended family, but kind of not when you only have 15, but the, the Dithis and the cousins that were just being rude, you know, like some, like most of them left my wedding without even saying goodbye. And I was like, what the hell? And I find out, you know, through the grapevine, it's like the telephone game with my family. You, you get like 10% of what's true. That They were like mad that the music like wasn't Latin enough. And I don't even know, whatever. Like there was so much like going on in the background that I was like, I do not need this. I don't care if you guys are blood. It's like you, I see my family, you know, weddings, funerals every 10 years, you know, if that. So even though they are blood, I always came from this fact of like, you don't get a free pass because of that shit. You don't just get a free pass because your family, if you are causing me harm and you're not willing at all to see it, recognize it, even discuss it. Because as a matter of fact, I was always the one that was like, hey, this ain't cool. So I was the black sheep of the family for the most part. I was like the bad kid. I was the brat. Why? Because I'll tell you about yourself. Because I'll tell you what you're doing is wrong. And then the whole respect thing comes in like, oh, you have to respect your elders. No. Like, look, if you've walked a lot of life in front of me, the respect goes only so far because if I am a full ass grown woman who's 41 years old with two children, a full on career, a home of my own, nobody's paying my bills, but me, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a good mother. I'm doing all the right things. Like who the fuck are you to come in and tell me how to live my life when there's been a lot of questionable things that you've done in your life that I've never questioned you on? Because I believe that at a certain age or a certain space in life, whatever your barometer for that is, respect is earned. It's just not given. You don't have to blindly give chance after chance after chance after chance to family just because they're blood. Like I, I remember um, talking to my mom during the wedding about my best friend in the whole world, my matron of honor, her name's Casey. Um, she actually didn't like me the first time she met me. But then we grew to be the best of friends and she is my person and she is the one person in this world that can tell me about myself and I will sit there and stand at attention and listen. Why? Because I know she does it with love. Because I know she wants the best in the world for me. So it's not like I'm above reproach. It's not like my family can't tell me shit and I'm too good for it. It's just there are not people that have been pivotal, pivotal, pivotal in my life or positive in my life. And I think that I'm a good person and I've done pretty okay in life. You know, like being a child of trauma, there could have been a lot of different ways that I've handled things. There's been a lot of ways that I've handled things wrong, but I've overcome it. So I don't know the context of what this person is dealing with family when they're toxic. But I do know that it chance after chance doesn't work, especially if you have kids. In my experience, I have grappled with the idea of taking a step back from my family members because I didn't say this really out loud that much until now, but I kind of took a break from my mother for and her husband for like two years after the wedding. Like, a year and a half because it was so bad. And I talked to my mom like two, three times a day, but it was just hurtful. Everything I was hearing post wedding. And it's just like, my family lives in this credo of like, Oh, you can't live in the past. And you're just bringing up the past. And I'm just like, well, I am the type of person that I will get over it, but I need to deal with those emotions. Otherwise it's just going to fester. And we're just going to start this wheel next time. Next time there's something wrong or toxic that happens. And the problem with starting that wheel over when you haven't even fixed the flat before 
is it's going to be even more of a roller coaster car crash the next time this happens because that kind of toxicity like bonds to your soul and makes it callous. I went to a sound bath like six, seven months ago and she explained it so well. She was saying, the lady that was running the class, she was like, when you go through trauma and toxicity constantly, it's like plaque on your soul. And what happens when that plaque builds up and never gets brushed off? It stays there. And then you have to go in there with a dentist tool and scrape it off. And that is the worst sound and feeling in the entire world. I hate the dentist. Um, And I need to go back. But it was like, I needed to take a step back if there was ever any slim sliver of a chance of me and my sons having a relationship with her and her husband, because what I was seeing, I just wasn't liking, you know, just the way I was, you know, I'm trying to be respectful of my mother in this because we have since begun a journey of healing from that. And I don't want to mess that up, but I am still being very honest with you guys that it was just toxic as hell. Like what she was doing was undermining my parenting, not listening to my rules. And it was like, my mom was the kind of mom that wasn't exactly hands-on with emotions and feelings. And then to see her be that way with my children. And I know the whole grandchildren thing, it's different when I'm a grandmother, I'll understand. But to see them, it was almost in a manipulative way it felt. And I've explained to her since then why that made me feel that way. And before it was kind of like, I don't meal. You just live in the past and blah, 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 blah. And like so dismissive. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have the bandwidth for this. I am the only one raising him, me. Me and my husband are the ones raising him. So when you undermine us and you undermine our parenting and you make it a situation where it's like, oh, but I'll always be there for you. A, it's shitty. And B, you're not going to be the one raising him. And God forbid one day when you're dead and gone, I am the only one that he's going to need. So no. So I did. I put my foot down and we didn't talk for a long time. Like not like never, but it was just text here and there, maybe a phone call for Lyric and Malin a a couple of times. But I, I am happy to say this, that break might've brought us back together because I always believe that you teach people how to treat you. really you do negative or positive you teach people how to treat you and in that way I was teaching my mother which is ironic how to treat me that I am not going to deal with this and it's not okay it's wrong it's hurtful and if you can't just stay within my boundaries I'm not asking you to be perfect I can't change my mom I think my mom has a good heart at the core of her I just think that some of her decision making isn't the way I want to do it it's not what I want to do for my kids. Um, so in all that rambling, I'm saying like toxic relationships can't just continue to be toxic and expect anything to be different. Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting it to be different. That, that still goes for family. You know, your family can hurt you more than anything else in the world sometimes because they're quote supposed to love you. Well, sometimes they don't. That might be hard to say, but I think some of my family actually hates me a little bit more than they love me. That hurts, but it's easier for me to grapple with that fact. Hate's a strong word, okay? But it's, you know, it's like the frenemies thing we were talking about and in, in the other Ask Riley in the workplace. It's kind of like that. Is there, is there a term for that? Fanemies? Family and friends? 
like friend, enemy, family, frenemy. I don't know. I have to think about that one, but there is that it does happen. Like it's sibling rivalry, but in a different way, sibling rivalry, sometimes with people that are supposed to be there to guide you. And I just don't think that anything's going to be achieved by just continuing to eat it and take it. I wish I knew more about this situation so I could give an even broader view of what, what was that? WWRD? What would Riley do? Um, but there is hope. I can't leave you that with saying like, oh yeah, just screw your family and go off on your own. Cause that's a lot. It is a lonely place. It is a lonely thing. Like when I would think like, I don't have, I never grew up with grandparents and I don't want my kids to not have grandparents. And then like, even though I knew how damn toxic it would be, I was like, oh, we're not spending Christmas there or, or whatever. Cause I was wondering, isn't it better to have my family unit intact and healthy than to try to make this big, large family that isn't intact and healthy? Because then you just repeat that cycle over again. All I'm trying to say is in the way of toxic family members, there is absolutely hope on the other side if you deal with it. My mom didn't want to go to therapy. She, you know, I think she did one counseling session with my sister because we've all had like very tumultuous, icky, crusty, <laughs> crusty, uh, just yucky relationship issues throughout my life. And that wasn't for her. Therapy works for me. And I just feel as though we've worked on it because I put the boundary down. I drew the line in the sand and I said, look, it was almost like dealing with an addict, which is dramatic, but hear me out. It was like, if you know, when you see that show intervention, like here is the terms. If you can't do it, then I can't do you basically. And that's kind of what I did. And we didn't come back together until I got fired. And that kind of hurt too, that it was kind of like, okay, you can be here for me in my worst days, in my dismal days, but you can't be there for me in my happiest. That was a little bit of a mind screw, but I have made more headway in trying to get through to my mom and create at least for my son a relationship. But I think we're going even a little bit further than that. So yeah, I did a whole nother podcast about this after I had my baby and I was postpartum. So I might've been a little bit spicier then, but I still do believe then like, fuck it. If they are hurting you, absolutely not. If they're hurting you, let me back up. If they're hurting you and you want to give them a chance and they get a little bit of a pass because they're family, but you've given them the options to make it better. And I'm not saying ask for the moon. I'm not saying that they need to lick your feet and like, you know, draw out the red carpet every time you come around and they can't ever disagree with you. I'm saying if you have made sustainable and reasonable asks that are just your boundaries, no, you you don't get to just hurt me over and over and over again because we have some of the same DNA. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother podcast because I have honestly thought about getting my mom back on the podcast because she did the podcast with me a long ass time ago when it first, 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 first started um, because she was the OG single mama and I was a single mom with my son for three years and she struggled, man. She struggled like she was poor. Like we used to live on hot dogs and ramen noodles. Like she used to make a whole chicken last a week between three people. And it's funny that my son the other day asked for a hot dog and ramen noodles for dinner. It was cute. But anyway, I've been thinking about bringing her back on the podcast to talk about it, to talk about that time, to talk about a few things that like 
crumbled our relationship and made it toxic. Dang it. Now I got to do that. But I think that it could be inspirational in a way. Cause I think that also now that I really come to that thought process, that it is important to give the other side of that story in terms of, okay, I've cut off toxic family members, but all hope is not lost for it to be better. Oh, look at that. You guys are inspiring me and I'm here for it. Oh my God, I've missed this, you guys. I've so missed just like talking with you and just being in it here with you guys. It's my favorite thing in the world. And I'm so, so, so happy to be back doing it. So there you have it. That is your Ask Riley for this week. And I always say this, if you guys have any Ask Rileys, no matter what it is, no matter if it's, you know, something scandalous. And I always keep it anonymous unless you don't want me to. We've even done a couple follow-up Ask Rileys when there has been advice. We had an Ask Riley where somebody asked me for advice about whether or not they're going to get a ring. And I was like, girl, you know, like maybe he already has it. And sure enough, he did. And they're getting married. So I'm always down to give advice. I'm always down to give my perspective an open and honest way about it. Um, No holds barred no judgment or any of that. So if you have an Ask Riley that you want for next week, um, you can email me at reallyreillypodcast at gmail.com. We have the text line that you can text into. It's 410-604-8895, 410-604-8895. You can DM me. The DMs are always open at Riley Couture, R-I-L-E-Y-C-O-U-T-U-R-E. That's Couture like Juicy. Um, TikTok is Riley Couture 7. Snapchat is at Radio Recon. Oh, and I've got a new Instagram, the Really Riley Podcast. Um, I'm going to be pushing a lot of stuff there. I'm going to like bring a couple of new things there too. A lot of you guys love that little Riley Oki jam session I have before I debuted the podcast, singing to Rob Bailey. And people were asking me for like a gym list. So I might do some songs of the day over there at Really Riley Podcast on Instagram. So a lot of new stuff coming. Like I'm inspired. I want to bring back the old stuff that worked really well with you guys that you loved. I want to bring back some, not bring back. I want to do some new stuff. Um, lots of really exciting things. And a side note, thank you guys all so much for supporting the Karma Collection candles that I've been debuting this week. It's been very therapeutic for me to get all that ick out and move forward in a positive way and give you some really good smelly goods because I've got like four of them in front of me right now. And Oh my God, it smells so delicious. Like, Oh, so good. Um, I put my heart and soul in them. So I really, really appreciate you guys being in my corner and it's helping feed my family. <laughs> so you guys, I really hope you enjoyed this podcast and any ideas you guys have though, too. I always love hearing them. You guys, even though I was bitching about the reviews a little bit in the beginning, um, because it was just mean, whatever. I have thick skin. I really like hearing what you guys do and don't like the things you want to hear more of the things that you want to hear less of no matter what it is. Like maybe you guys want to hear more entertainment news. Ah, dang it. See, okay. Now I have to go here for one second. Like I was kind of staying away from this because I know there's so many podcasts about there about the Bravo drama, but just, if you will, just allow me the Tom Sandoval and Raquel Weiss drama. Y'all, like I'm shooketh. This should have been a different podcast, but we're just going to go here just because y'all wanted longer. Here you go. Tom Sandoval is a dog. We knew this, like he was, you know, not exactly, he didn't have the cleanest break from 
Kristen back in the day when he was dating her on Vanderpump Rules. So if you guys don't watch Vanderpump Rules, I love you. I'm going to talk about it for five minutes. But, you know, like they had like a cheating, making out situation. So it's not like he was the, like, you know, the angel before. But Ariana Maddox has been with him for like eight years. They bought a house together. She said she never wanted to get married and she didn't want to have babies. But Sandoval was saying he would stick with her through anything. He stuck with her through her depression. Now it fucking comes out that Raquel Weiss, Weiss, the one that was like the nice girl, the one that Lala called a Bambi-eyed bitch and said she was stupid and doesn't support other women. And everybody came for Lala because that was in Lala's villain era, but she was losing her father. So I semi get it, but everybody came for her for that. And everybody's like, Oh, Raquel's the sweetest, blah, blah, blah. Well, in the newest season of Vanderpump rules now, like she's making out with the other Tom, Tom, um, Schwartz, who is Katie Mahoney's very new ex-husband of like five minutes Ew, she's friends with all these people. Like, I realize that Vanderpump Rules is this, like, incestuous thing. But if you were to ask me, WWRD, what would Riley do? In that situation, I'd be doing everything that Lala is doing right now. That she is coming for all of them and won't let any of them bullshit. She came out and she was telling everybody, like, her, Raquel's real name is Rachel. Side note, my real name is Raquel. So I don't think it's a big deal that she's has like a little bit of a stage name. They're on TV. No big thing. But she's very much about her image because apparently in this new report, she tried to get her people together. She tried to get her team together to completely throw Cinderella under the bus and say he was the one that was wrong for doing a screen record of their FaceTimes together because it was sexual, which that is wrong. But she was trying to completely take herself out of fault for screwing her best friend's man, that he, they lived together. They had a house together. They invested in projects together. They worked together. They were together for eight years. That ain't your man, girl. No. And for six months, they were wearing little lightning bolt necklaces whenever they were away from each other. So this was like a full-on relationship. He was seen leaving her apartment the other day. Ew. Y'all dirty. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Like I always tell Marshall and he always tells me, don't like project drama. Like don't project Bravo drama onto me. <laughs> like it's funny cause I do do that. I'd be like, if you ever do this, if you ever stick that somewhere, it doesn't belong. It's not coming back here. And he's like, babe, what are you talking about? Cause I mean, I'm not naive that, you know, shit doesn't happen in relationships sometimes, but I feel like if ever me and Marshall, like in never, never land ended up not together, which is bullshit because it's like, I always tell him if it's not you, it's nothing. It wouldn't be for cheating. It wouldn't be for that. I swear I wasn't going to go there with that Bravo drama. I swore I wouldn't. But also, there's another opportunity for you guys to tell me whether or not you like that and you want to hear that. Like, would you like to hear more celebrity stuff? Because side note, for about 15 years of my career, I was always doing the celebrity drama. I was all up in it. So I can add a little bit of that if you like. A little bit of spice, if you will. A little bit of extra side notes. Anyway, I really hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. I will be back on Friday. Um... And I'm going to interview Marshall. So Marshall has been alongside me in all things, right? But in this journey of healing and getting my mind back. And that sounds very intense, but um, it was touch and go for a while in my headspace. And nobody knows that more than him. So a while ago, one of you guys said, well, how does Marshall feel about this? 
How does Marshall feel about the situation and seeing you go through whatever it is that you've gone through behind the scenes that we don't know? Um, and I thought it would be great for him to have a voice too because restarting this podcast was all about connectivity and having a voice because having a voice has always been so therapeutic for me to feel less alone when I'm going through something or even to celebrate with you guys when I'm going through something great. Um, and Marshall is such a huge part of my life now. And you guys always love it when he talks about his lawn care on Instagram, my God, and his eggs. So we might even touch upon that too, but, um, that's going to be the show on Friday. So like the podcast, if you liked it, um, and make sure you leave a review because I read them and I take them to heart. Sometimes if you're being an asshole, I'm like, <laughs> thanks for having my name in your mouth. Any here's will be is the email is again, really Riley podcast at gmail.com. The text line is 410-604-8895. The DMS are always open on Instagram, as I always say. And you guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you on Friday. It's really Riley.